0: These are fun, off the cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old.
1: Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood industry insider and the casual viewer.
0: This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Cinema A to B. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 1995 comedy, Tommy Boy. But we want to say thank you to Scott for recommending this or asking us to do this because it is definitely one of my favorite comedies of all time. I know Ben, it's up there for you as well. And Scott, I know we've had conversations about it. So let's going kind to of dive right in. And Ben, what are your thoughts? You saw it sooner than I have, so
1: yeah, and sooner is probably a stretch, but <laughs> <laughs> it's soon enough. Soon enough. And I and I seem to watch this at least maybe once every year and a half. Mm-hmm. Although lately it seems to have gotten less uh, TV play. Yeah. I don't know is. why. I don't know who the rights holders are. Anyway, I digress. Um, this is my I'm thinking this is my favorite comedy of the nineties. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly up there. Um, I've not made a ranking of comedies in a long time, but it's it's high. This is high. And so this is this is my peak nineties comedy. It sits right in the middle of the decade, which is kind of convenient. Mm-hmm. And then I I don't think it's really an argument that this is the best thing that chris farley ever did 100 yeah and sadly we just didn't get the man very long here today gone tomorrow and uh but he left us uh gems like this
0: yeah he did he i mean he really wanted to live belushi's life unfortunately and just kind of mimics so much and unfortunately that included leaving us early so very frustrated but very sad to to lose him because i'm going to be I love this. This is probably my favorite comedy of all time. Like in, mm. you know, in top 10, if I had to pick, or even my top five, if I had to throw in a comedy with my top five, this is probably in it. Cause out of all the movies, I think I quote this movie the most, like it's either the most or it's the next most, like I'm always throwing stuff out, even if nobody knows it. Cause now a lot of people don't know it, but you know, you're, just like, would you do Richard, you know, or just, there's so many great lines in this and Honestly, for a comedy, it's also, if I'm, you know, really well done, really tight, like there's not a whole lot of fat on it and there's not a lot of jokes that either don't land or feel forced. It just kind of feels like, you know, Chris Farley and David Spade just, hey, we're going to put you in this this situation and the two of you just kind of come up with it and just kind of figure it out as you go along. So uh, it's it, it's definitely, in my opinion, the best comedy to be produced by Lauren Michaels. So anything that's come out of SNL, like hands down, I know like, uh, there's a, there's a bunch of like decent ones that come out, but for me, this is my favorite. So I think it's the most well-produced and the most that doesn't have just its normal shtick. Like I love Wayne's world. I
1: do, but yeah. Yeah. Which, but this is so unique, right? Because this Mm -hmm. didn't, there's no SNL bit that this is based on. It's its own thing exclusively. I mean, you had sketches where with Spade and Farley, a bunch of them, but never playing these two characters. No,
0: there's a lot of little, little bits of pieces of other characters they've played on SNL that kind of, um, you know, became this, but um, they also, if I remember correctly, they shared an office at SNL because they were still both working SNL. so like, they would have to fly back and forth from shooting this and then, you know, going back to do SNL. So there's a lot of probably in jokes that they have that were like, you know what? We're just going to have to put this in the movie, you know, that they had in office that they enjoyed. And I think it really works. Like they were really smart about it.
1: I just, I've got a smile on my face thinking about this movie. <laughs> it's just so, it's so darn effortlessly funny. Even Farley is, is kind of in a lot of ways dialed back, especially compared to a movie like Beverly Hills Ninja, mm-hmm. which I love too. Yeah. and I, yeah. I do. It's, it's nowhere near this, But he's, he's trying so much harder with the physical comedy in something like Beverly Hills Ninja versus Tommy boy. So in a lot of ways, he's, he's feels, he feels a little more dialed in, but he's not a hundred percent of the comedy. No. I mean, he's, he's most of it, but the supporting cast, including Spade, who is his, obviously his perfect counterpoint. Mm Mm-hmm. But the go, go down through the cast and it's just like, what you know, and, yeah. you know, obviously Dan Aykroyd kind of plays a character he's played before, but it's, <laughs> it's great as Zelensky.
0: But when you bring Dan Aykroyd and he's not the funniest character or he's not even like supposed to be that funny, I mean, he's funny, obviously, but like you've kind of pushed him back like that. I, I just don't get it, how it can be so good when you don't play your strengths of Dan Aykroyd being Dan Aykroyd. But I have to say, like, I agree with you, Chris Farley. It almost feels like Chris Farley's playing this as straight as he possibly can. Like he's not going to his comedic strengths that he had in SNL. You know, you have, you know, little bits when there's like the fat guy in little coat kind of moments or whatever, where he kind of gets that bigger. But overall, it's almost like he's just playing the kind of, dumber son of this company, just trying to make it.
1: And he's playing a real person. We've, we've all seen this character before Mm -hmm. you see this character at least once a week in your real life. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. The offspring of some highly successful business owner that's in the, that's works in the business. That's an absolute moron. (laughs) Like we've seen it. The nice thing is though, that
0: the redeeming quality is that he Chris Farley's character doesn't have an overindulgence of his self-worth. And he just kind of is overall just a nice guy who doesn't think he's better than what he actually is. I mean, like, obviously he admits in the movie that I am not my father kind of a situation. Like, my father could do this. I can't.
1: Right. And so there's a humanity to Mm -hmm. to Tommy. Which in real life, you don't get that. He was coddled, but he's not. He's not particularly spoiled in a lot of ways. Yeah. The character isn't, it. it's real. It's really interesting. Cause yeah, when you see this real person, the people I'm talking about, they're usually pretty spoiled and they yeah. kind of know it. And yeah, this character's, we've seen pieces of this person, but there is a humanity to him. The other thing is he actually has a legitimate character arc. Mm-hmm. Tommy is not the same guy at the end of the movie that he was at the beginning. And it's taken for granted in comedies. And this reminds me, you know, kind of goes back to our discussion about Ferris Bueller's Day Off with uh, Alan Ruck's character, Cameron, that has a really nice arc. Tommy's arc is is just as good. Mm -hmm. It's different, but it's really, really good how much he changes and evolves. And but it's still kind of it still kind of fits the classic Hollywood, like everything's okay. He saves the business. He gets the girl. Mm -hmm. So it it's. It's that old formula that it feels like movies now are just afraid to go back to. It's like they're almost afraid to dip back into that. Well, this is a really feel good movie with a lot of great lines.
0: And this is my favorite David Spade. I really do like David Spade and how bitey he is. But this is, I think, the best. I mean, I know they tried to recreate it in Black Sheep and it just it felt far more forced than this did. This really felt like ease of them working together and having kind of work this out and not trying to push in the jokes, just let the jokes kind of happen. And it, it just worked. So Laura actually is hates David Spade. And so she really doesn't like this movie too much, not so much the movie, just she can't stand David Spade. So it's really hard for her to watch this. So even though this is, I think at his least biting least spadiness, uh, uh, you know, of what he's done,
1: yeah. The the problem is, and, and I've got no problem with somebody not liking David Spade. I mean, I've got my actors that I don't particularly care for and I'm not a huge fan of his, but the more I've read about him, the the more kind of an appreciation I have for him, mainly because of all these amazing characters that he wrote on SNL, mm-hmm. hoping that that he would be the one to deliver them. And unfortunately they kept going to Dana Carvey and- yep. I can't even imagine how frustrating that had to have be. I mean, the church lady, that's a spade character and that just was a common kind of shtick. They, and by the way, there, there doesn't seem to be any angst anymore um, between them. Cause I've seen Carvey on spades show mm. uh, recently and they, they get along fine, but, and it was discussed, um, but it was ultimately a decision made by, by Lauren Michaels. Yeah so it's it's cool that spade got a role like this and eventually kind of burst through um the glass ceiling i guess with with his filmmaking and kind of achieved a level of success in movies that he never unfortunately never got on snl cuz he never really could get past playing a secondary character on the show and i have to think with his writing background that i know he's not a credited writer on tommy boy but I'm telling you, the, there's got to be – I'm confident that there's entire sequences in here that he he and Chris dreamed up or he yeah. himself came up with. And, yeah, yeah, he's great in this. Oh, he's great.
0: Just, just the is interplay. That a, is that a niner in there? <laughs> what are you calling from? A walkie-talkie? <laughs> I, I love this movie. Like, just <laughs> thinking about it, I'm just – Kind of like the same thing. You just smile on my face, laughing at all the stuff. And and again, but even taken away from the comedy, it's still a story told well. Like they don't try to put the story is not secondary. The story is kind of the purpose of it that they just fit the jokes in or they fit that comedy into it, you know, and it's a mix of physical comedy of obviously David Spade's very kind of more not cerebral is not the right word, but it's all words and not so much that physicality that Chris Farley has, but I mean, they just do, you know, like the opening sequence. I remember it's like him as a kid. Um, and then, but then he runs through the, the, like the trees or whatever, and then gets chased by the dog and misses the bus. And like the, the, you know, of course, David Spade's, you know, alter, not alter ego, but his young self drives by like eight again. Um, you know, and then it's the, the bus and the smoke. And then it transitions to him in college, missing the bus to take his exam. And like, that's, that is a great transition like the show this character is this way as a child he's still this way in college they kind of automatically you know connects us to this person of like okay i can see the background of why he is who who he is
1: right so like let's let's break this down because if uh, if somebody's listening and thinking to themselves why why can't more comedies be this good well let's let's do a breakdown because Mm-hmm. A, the script is really good, like really good. And I, there's, there's good structure here as far as a beginning, a, a good defined beginning, middle and an end. The hero's journey is totally at play here because he does have like the refusal of the call mm-hmm. when his dad, Big Tom dies. And yep. he's going to have, you know, he initially kind of rejects that. um, And so the script's good. There's plenty of places for them to improvise, which I think is key when you make a comedy, Mm -hmm. like don't, don't put every single joke, have it scripted. Like why, why are you hiding, hiring good comedic actors? If you're just going to make them read verbatim script jokes, that's, that's, that's silly. And I'm confident that's, that wasn't the case here. Um, And then every other technical detail on this movie, it's shot. Well, Mm -hmm. the edit, the edit is hella good. Yeah. You know why? Because you don't notice it. You don't watch this and go, oh, the editing was tremendous. But I'm telling you, as it as somebody edits every day, or just about every day, the editing in this movie is really, really good. Yeah. Really good. Well, it's the
0: same thing. Like, you go to a concert, you listen to, you know, a band. The only time you think about the sound guy is when things get messed up. You know, yeah. you don't walk away from the concert and going, wow, the sound guy just did an amazing job. You go, the band sounded really good but a lot of that is the sound guy. Like in this case, a lot of that is the editing, but it, you don't think about that. You're like, Oh, the story was good. You know, it was shot really well. All that stuff. But you don't think, Oh, Hey, the editor just nailed it out of the park.
1: Editing comedy is kind of difficult because you have to, you have to pace the jokes properly, but then you have to create that natural breathing room for the audience to actually laugh before you hit them with another joke. And that's, Easier said than done on like how long that should be and how to kind of manipulate that in the, the course of the movie. And this this movie does that great. You, you're mm-hmm. not you're not laughing over the next joke
0: or laughing or over the next gag or even expository stuff that's going to move the story along. They, they right. give you that kind of space to laugh. And maybe I do miss the next line, but the next line is not in, that important. You know, so it's more along the lines of it does, you know, obviously it does move the story. It, it is important, but it's not you're not missing anything major. You can still see the movie and still get it without that.
1: The antagonists are really, really good in this movie, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Bo Derek's kind of underrated in the in the role. And then, but Rob Lowe. <laughs> the thing is, I didn't really I, n- I never had a good understanding of like how talented Rob Lowe really is. Until I'm was much much older, he mm-hmm. was just always the the jerk in these these SNL movies. I mean, he's in he's Benjamin in Wayne's <laughs> World, and then, and then he's the quote unquote stepson in this. Yes. But he's so good. He is. He's so good. These shoes are worth more than your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever eat paint chips as a kid? <laughs> Yeah, why he he's a, a very integral part of of this ensemble, and supposedly he was asked by
0: Lauren Michaels to do this. Like Lauren was just like he wasn't going to do this movie because he just done Wayne's World and he was still I think still doing SNL at the time too. But Lauren was just like, yeah, you should uh, you need to do this. I've thought you know we're doing this movie, you need to fly out. And he was like, all right, Lauren, I'm gonna to do this.
1: Yeah, the the only other one that that jumps out. Well, there's two people I want to talk speak to briefly Brian Dennehy's is just, just a good actor and there was I don't know what, who it was it wasn't you but somebody I knew had just convinced themselves that like Brian Dennehy died in like I don't know 2002 or something <laughs> like there were just constant conversations about oh, man he's he's dead and it was like wait no and he and he did pass away um yeah just uh, three years ago uh, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a running joke and I'm trying to remember who this was um in my life at the time. I was just convinced that, that Brian Dennehy was like, not with us. You thought of me because I
0: had this with John Reese davies <laughs> yes. from, I, for some reason, yeah. I thought John Reese davies was dead, completely dead. <laughs> like after he filmed Lord of the Rings, he passed and died. would
1: not believe it that he was alive. The Mandela yeah. effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's
1: still, he's still kicking. He's still kicking. Yeah. Like
0: yeah. he's still alive, but yet I, for some reason in my head, he died. He's dead. John Reese davies is dead. I'm sorry, John.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, John. <laughs> no, I was thinking about the, some of the other cast members, this uh, Julie Warner that plays Michelle, that plays kind of his, his love interest that works mm-hmm. at the auto parts store. I always really, I really liked her and she's not had a bad career, but I was thinking to myself, I was like, she, she was almost born too early because when this was made, you know, she was in a few films and then kind of was relegated to television. And I was thinking to myself, you know what, if she was coming up now, she'd have gotten her limelight with like two or three movies. And then she would have been able to continue having a nice career starring in things on like Netflix and the streaming series. And I was just thinking about this is such a different era where it's like either movies or like just network TV or kind of bottom of the world TV the the streaming stuff has opened up such a huge opportunity for for actors that just didn't exist in 1995. And she feels like one that would have been able to carve out a little bit different career path had mm-hmm. something like a Netflix been around, you know? Yeah. Because she's just not, He's she's not been in like a ton of stuff since. Like she was in, she was in Doc Hollywood mm-hmm. and and Tommy boy. But after that, it's like, it's mostly, you know, it's mostly television. Yeah, it's just different era, different yeah. era, much tougher. I think much tougher era of, as an actor in a lot of ways. Just not as, you know,
0: not that not more movies are made now, but I'm guessing you do have more opportunities because of the streaming services when not everything has to make a ton of money
1: on the big screen. Well, and, and this was an era where like, oh, you're, you do a comedy, this is all you do is comedy. Yep. And that's a lot. That's less true now. You've you've had more and more actors be able to cross over. I mean, people quickly forget that Tom Hanks started his career as purely mm. a comedic actor. Oh, yeah, the *Bosom Buddies*. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. *Splash*. And Turner, *Turner and Hooch*. Yeah, it's like he he was he was purely comedy, and and was one of the few that was able to bust through. That doesn't mm. happen for a lot of folks, but. Yep. Anyways, back on topic with uh, with Tommy boy. Um, Yeah. It just kills me that two, three, you know, two years after this, Chris is gone. Yeah. It's like his uh, his filmography is tiny and it, it feel and he still feels larger than life. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, yeah. Jump on IMDb his, it's just short. It's just Mm -hmm. not that many movies and it, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a generational thing. I think now you know more and more kids are coming up that that probably haven't seen some of his stuff.
0: Yeah, well, he doesn't have that draw. I mean, they may have seen the the motivational speaker, you know, one where like you you know in a van down by the river. Yeah.
1: yeah, YouTube will keep him alive to a certain extent, just the the back catalog. But I know we've got some younger listeners that were frankly born like in the year or two after he passed. Yeah. And I, and a lot of them I think have seen Tommy boy and, and hopefully like Beverly Hills Ninja. But if they haven't, you know, you got to watch these. It's not that many movies. It's not, we're not, we're not telling you to watch a guy's filmography. That's like 50 films. Like he basically from, it was basically just like a two or three year window in the nineties. And then, yeah, what I mentioned to you off air a couple months back was uh, how much he had recorded of Shrek
0: before they like 80 80,
1: 85% of the, of the Shrek voice work was already in the can Mm -hmm. um, before he died. And it was going to be really different. It was no Scottish accent, much more heartfelt. You can find it on YouTube. You can pull up Chris Farley's scene. It's, It's like a sketch animatic. Shrek was drawn differently, tailored to him and it was a scene with him and uh, Eddie Murphy, and it's a much more, in some ways, is a little more heartfelt performance on Shrek's a little more of a, a little darker character, hmm. but um, what could have been? I mean, it's kind of wild. Yeah. So yeah, they had to re- redo all of that when he uh, when he passed away. This is his crowning achievement, mm-hmm. and frankly, it's a crowning achievement in uh, in comedy.
0: So well made. It's so, and again, it's just a good story. To begin with, it's not like I love, you know, airplane, uh, you know, movies like that have, you know, really laugh. But airplane is just one little joke after another where this is, like you said, it's the hero's journey. It's still it's still a good story. You have, you know, those characters change. You have those characters learn things and become better and work together. And then it's still absolutely hilarious. And now I do have to I do have to wonder it. you know, you and I think this is hilarious and obviously we watch it. I'm pretty sure that it's still going to translate. Like there's not a whole lot of jokes in here that are probably from the time I think that it, it still kind of works. It's all very relatable still.
1: Comedically it doesn't feel too far removed from from what's worked over the last, you know, 20 years. And this mm-hmm. this movie frankly is crazy. This movie's coming up on 30 years. Yeah. You know, in two in two years time it's going to be we're going to be talking about 30th anniversary re-release probably of Tommy Boy. But watching a movie like this reminds me that just comedy feels like such an abandoned genre by Hollywood right now. Mm-hmm. Like because they don't feel confident that they can get butts and in seats into theaters just purely on comedy. The gamble is we'll we'll have a bunch of jokes in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's more comedic, but it's big, it's expensive, big mm-hmm. action sequences these movies if they're getting made they're they're not getting big theatrical releases if they're, if at all if at all yeah. yeah and so comedic i think comedic writers are really much more relegated to uh to the streaming stuff and and maybe some still some network television
0: yeah well and and just comedy feature films i think are not not a lot around like usually if it's going to be a comedy it's going to be a television show or a streaming series yeah that you know, you can do six, eight, 10 episodes of, and then move on. You know, it's, you're not going to have that 90 minute, you know, not really two hours, but 90 minutes of, of a comedy that doesn't have something else. Like I'm trying to think back of streaming movies that have been really comedic. You know, I'm thinking of some of like Ryan Reynolds stuff that has come out on Netflix, but again, those are, you know, sci-fi related or heist
1: related or like Deadpool. Yeah. Which, Which Yeah. So it's,
0: <laughs> it's com- comedic, but that's not really what it is. Like it's a superhero movie or it is a heist movie that has comedy in it because of the people you have, but it's not just a straight yeah, comedy. Yeah. It's
1: a lot of cross, cross genre stuff yeah. is what is where you see comedy. Now you don't see it in its pure form in a movie like this. Mm-hmm. At least I haven't very recently. Um, I'm trying
0: to, trying to think of. And one
1: of the last ones, I mean, you know you got to go back to like 08 or 09 for something like Tropic Thunder and it's even kind of masked as a mm-hmm. sort of a quasi action piece too so yeah they've kind of figured out they've got to package these things a little bit differently which is kind of unfortunate to me i i like these more grounded grounded you know there's not there's really not anything in this movie that's that's like unbelievable
0: by the way that the deer shot took i'm like Weeks to get right, apparently, or something. I don't know oh, if it was weeks, but it was a long... Like, it was m- multiple days, if not multiple weeks, to actually get that right. And it was... <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they did, because it's comedy gold. It's fantastic, but...
1: You know, it makes me think, genre-wise, this has got to be one of the best road trip movies ever made. hmm This, along with the original um, National Lampoon vacation movie. Vacation, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, and that's another one that... um you don't get very many of anymore. They seem to come in spurts, the uh, the road trip well, film. And road trip films are typically like cheaper to make. And and again, like you said,
0: it's shot really well, edited really well. I mean, and by that, I mean, you don't really think about it. it you're not getting these beautiful, amazing shots like you would from some of these sci-fi movies that are out there or some of these, you know, Marvel films where you're like, oh my goodness, it's a gorgeous shot. But again, it's, you're not going, Oh, well, that's kind of crappy. You know, they shot on location a bunch, you know, you had, you didn't have that many probably soundstage shots. So
1: when they're calling on those mechanics and stuff, those all, those all feel legit. And yeah, they shot on location in Sandusky, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And then they shot up in uh, Canada, Ontario, Canada. Yeah. That's crazy. They shot from September 12th to December 9th, 1994. Holy cow. Yeah. Which for comedy, that's, pretty decent amount of time actually. Um, but it's cool. They shot on Sandusky, um, Mm. on the go bucks by the way. (laughs) And, uh, I just, we just lost like the, uh, one person listening from Michigan. I'm sure. But, uh, (laughs) no, it it does. It feels authentic. It doesn't feel like a studio, um, set picture picture at all. Kind of and like yeah, you- it's 1995. It's shot on 35 millimeter film. It's beautiful. It looks the mm. way a movie should. Mm. So are we, are we effectively saying that comedies peaked in the nineties?
0: <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I mean, you've got, obviously you've got some stuff, but I think it, it changed. Obviously how we view movies has changed. What we expect from comedies have changed. But the world also drastically changed in the 2000s. You know, the things got darker or things got, I need more than just this, you know, quote unquote, popcorn flick. I need something. You I'm know, telling to you, to,
1: 2001. Yeah. 2001 pivoted. It, the world got a whole lot more serious. Mm-hmm. And it, I think we've been kind of reeling ever since on trying to. Man, I I tell you, I think this, I think we'd be a lot better off if we could just get a little less serious now and again, mm-hmm. but. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach on that. I do love that the director of this, and we were talking about this before we started recording, Siegel, Peter Siegel. I do love that he directed Naked Gun 33 and a third. Mm -hmm. Like it just, and it's funny because it was the year, year before. And comedically, there's, there's not a ton in common, but it helps to just know what makes people laugh. Mm -hmm. Like what, what, what makes a good laugh? Um, and yeah, naked gun. I love those movies, but yeah, those are what you refer to that's That's just joke on joke J- on joke yeah. on joke, with and a little bit of
0: story to kind of keep things moving
1: very little paper yeah. thin plot to keep things kind of churning forward, but those movies know what they are, and i miss I miss those movies too, yeah, airplane, naked gun, like where you know i i wish I wish those would make a comeback too, yeah, but first, I'd love to see something like Tommy boy. So
0: cracking my brain, the only ones that I can kind of think that would be as close to a regular comedy is something like hot fuzz or, um, Shaun of the dead where yes. it, yes. But again, they kind of trap themselves in other things to kind of get the comedy around, but it's the closest thing to, I guess, Tommy boy that I can really think of in, in this, this regard. So, but again, it's a little bit more over the top of the story over top with, what we're at um, it's bigger than, than just, Hey, I'm saving my dad's, you know, brake company or mm-hmm. muffler company. we forget what it was. This brakes. Yeah. yeah. I still laugh that, that Roger Ebert hated this movie. So that's that, I mean, not that I care, but you know, no offense, Roger. but you know, but it did get panned <laughs> even though it's my favorite.
1: People just talk themselves into, into needing to have some sort of elitist mentality to judge mm-hmm. comedy. Like it just, it feels like that genre is just never appreciated. No. And And, okay. And sorry, keep going. going. No, I think you, I think you can pick up exactly what I'm, what I'm uh, throwing down here.
0: As as an actor, I can tell you comedy is so much harder than drama, but yet we always give best actor to someone who did drama and a, You could talk to other actors. Maybe they feel differently, but the actors I've talked to comedy, especially like broad based comedy of what like Tommy boy is or something where you can get a whole host of people laughing is so difficult to the, the timing, the pacing, like all that stuff is so much more work than just feeling sad or being tears. Obviously that does take work. Like that is still, you know, we talked like, I think Dune, you know, yet, uh, last week or whatever, or the last time we talked about Dune, like getting that energy out of kind of that scream, that fight, uh, those fight scenes of like, that takes a lot of energy too, but it takes a lot of kind of creativity and ability to kind of control yourself to not rush jokes or not to force jokes and just kind of let them let, let them come. And honestly, I, it it makes me upset every single time that there's not a co- comedy actor, you know, voted best actor to you know, get the Academy Award.
1: Never. Well, it it's was never the Golden Globes that had them separated, separated. right? Yeah. Which, but then now that now the Globes are a, a mess because of the yeah foreign press. So yeah. <laughs> the, so the way that but, all blew up, maybe they yeah maybe they need to add another category at some point.
0: I I mean I, I could see it separated, but i also like it's still. It's still acting, you know. Why? Why do we have this idea that dramatic acting is so much better and so much harder? And they're the ones get. I mean, yeah, it's a serious topic, and you know, a lot of times it makes us think. And this makes us laugh, which automatically kind of makes us push it away. But it takes just as much work, if not even even more work, to do comedy than it does to do drama. But I digress. That's yeah, my
1: thoughts on it. No, I I completely agree. But it's completely so much agree. harder to write under- comedy it's harder to write. It's underappreciated. I mean, this is one of the best comedies that I've ever seen. And it's, it's only like a 7.1 on IMDb. And a lot of that is we have, we all have such different ideas and tastes sometimes with what is funny and what mm-hmm. is not, but this is a funny movie. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a real, this is one of the funniest movies that you're likely to see. And uh, I think we can wrap this yeah. up. Yeah. Appreciate everybody. Catching us as we discussed uh, Tommy Boy, revisited. revisited. Thanks again to Scott for uh, for the recommendation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If you want us to talk about a movie that you love, go ahead and recommend it. We we'll, we taken recommendations always.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: And especially if it's movies we haven't seen before, you know.
1: And you can uh, you can kind of follow the podcast. What's going the goings ons? The, goings- <laughs> the go- on the goings- Facebook. On. Facebook, uh, Instagram, and uh, TikTok. Yeah. And we will catch you on another episode of uh, Cinnamon A to B. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks, everybody.